Okay, we should be live, and this is End Times for Dummies, Lesson 1. And this evening, Scott will lead our class, and I am excited to have uh, Brock listening, who thinks uh, that possibly the End Times study is a waste of time. Let's just see uh, how that goes. Scott. Well, thank you, Joseph. We'll be out uh, this evening to um, uh, to revise Brock's uh, thinking on that one. Yeah. <laughs> over the over tonight, over the next uh, ten or twelve weeks, um, as Joseph's mentioned uh, on a, a couple of occasions, um, he and I and, and another gentleman spent um, uh, quite a few years in uh, going through an in time study, and it was it was uh, a tremendously eye-opening uh, at the time, and it's been uh, a, a lot of fun getting back into it uh, all these years later. It really has. With a different lens, a different perspective on what it is um, I'm, I'm reading this time through. And so I'm especially interested as we go through uh, the next 10 or 12 weeks in seeing um, everything from a fresh perspective and see if that changes anything that we talked about before um, or uh, how we look at people groups or timing or anything of that nature. Exactly. So the, um, uh, the lesson one started off uh, this week with a review of, uh, of Daniel 7 um, and some really uh, interesting and colorful um, passages uh, from Daniel chapter 7. So that's where we're going to start tonight. And um, if I can get a volunteer to read for us, Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. I've got it. Excellent. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up a great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle wings. Then, as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground, and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Okay, so my first thought when I read through this was uh, whatever he had to eat before going to bed, I <laughs> want to avoid that. Lions and bears and beasts, am I? This is quite a, uh, quite a vision. Um, the, one of the first things that, that uh, caught me that I don't think I had uh, uh, picked up on before was in uh, verse 2. Uh, it's not anything earth-shattering or, or mind-blowing or anything like that, but... Um, uh, he referenced the four winds of heaven were stirring up a great sea. Is it, 
what comes to your mind when you when you hear that phrase of four winds of heaven? Well, I don't know about them, but um, I'm surprised that we were in heaven and had four winds, because I expected it to be the four winds on the earth. Uh -huh. So now we've got the four winds in heaven, and I'm like, I didn't know there was wind in heaven. I thought it was all just kind of calm and, and, and wonderful. So. Four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. I felt like it was separated. Maybe I, maybe I just missed that, but maybe heavens is just the sky. But I felt like the sea was down here and the heavens were up there. And I, I don't know. Unless the sea was the great sea, and mm -hmm. maybe that's the Mediterranean. I don't know. Could be. Any other thoughts? When I hear... The Great Sea, I think of Genesis. Oh, what from what from in Genesis? What do you think about in Genesis? Before can I read the scene? The earth without form and void the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you're thinking lots of water. Yes. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Often the sea sometimes represents nations. Mm-hmm. Um, the four winds, how it represents. Um, I mean, obviously it puts into motion all these nations. It has an impact. Um, and for me, the four winds means it's going to be paramount to a major event that stirs the whole entire planet. Uh -huh. Combinations within it. Uh -huh. That's good. In the four directions. Yeah. That as well. That that's what got me. That the the, uh, the uh, you know we'll read later on um, several weeks from now about being gathered from the four quarters of the earth, mm -hmm. and that's the thing that uh, that kind of caught me for some reason here. I think the waters also uh, a lot of times are a reference to the abyss, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of, because of the stirring and the four, so I was picturing like, if you had four winds coming at four directions, then wherever they met would basically be a circle, like a spiral, like a tornado or something. And then I was thinking like, oh, stirred up the great sea? Uh -huh. Oh, maybe there's some uh -huh. kind of cataclysmic uh, vortex. weather vortex, <laughs> yeah, happening here. Uh -huh. Good. What other kind of thoughts that you had when you just read through this the first time? It's the odd references that are, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the, the weirdness of each creature. Like, I think the leopard is, is relatively easy to follow with the four heads because of the I've four. I've seen a cartoon like that before. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially in this movie's about this. Um, the, the, four, the leopard of the four heads to me was always fairly straightforward because of the, the generals in Greece and there's association with them being with relation to Greece and there being four generals after Alexander and so forth. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. But the other ones are much harder to figure out like what's why they're so weird. Like the the wings on the lion do parallel the 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 flying lion creature from the Babylonian you know architecture and whatnot. But at the same time, why are the wings plucked off? Like what does that mean? Um, it says the stood on his feet like a man, and mortal's heart or mind was given to it. Like, are we talking about that it's all embodied in one man? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? 
The the bear for some reason has three ribs in its mouth, which is kind of confusing. It's torn up from something. They're not happy. And it's eating a lot of meat. Um, and then the weirdest one to me, the one that I still don't quite understand, is the beast, the giant beast at the end. They make a big deal twice. They say it's different from all the other beasts, but they never say why. And uh, like it's kind of hard to figure that out. It's like, well, it seems to be like it's different in that it's more destructive, maybe, or it had ten horns. Nobody else only had no more than four heads. I don't know. It was just was kind of confusing to follow. So I think that's what stood out to me. I mean, I've read this passage many times, mm-hmm. but just looking at it again for the first time in a long time, it's like, um, it's not just that this is weird. It's more that it's like, it's very unclear. It's it's kind of confusing. There's some odd details. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, at, I've done extensive study in this, and I've gotten... I, Pins ideas of what they represent, but minus this aside, just the initial reading, the first things that come into my mind when I was reading this from the very beginning, before I ever really realized it, I was trying to picture them, and then to determine whether this was literal or allegorical. So that that was my first, and upon reading these passages from the very um, when I first started studying the Daniel prophecies, that's what I was trying to determine what he's seeing. What is it representative, and is it a literal representative of it, or allegorical? Mm-hmm. So I think that was the first questions that I was tugging with because I'm going to picture these images in my head, and what, of course, initially I was thinking it can't be literal. It just doesn't make any sense. No creature on this planet fits those profiles. Um, so I was thinking allegorically first. Let me figure it in my head, and then what could these images or parts of images represent? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking along the same lines, like ignoring what I've heard before about the interpretations and just trying to read it from a fresh perspective. And what came to mind was the concept of a memory palace. And it's like that concept where you deliberately, if you're trying to remember something, you deliberately put it in like a very weird context or you put like something very odd placed next to something else that doesn't fit in order to remember something that might be tedious or might not be very memorable. And that was kind of what came to mind here, is it's like, if we already have the interpretation, why did we even need to hear the details of the vision? It could have just said, Daniel had a vision, and here's what it meant. You know, and that that would have been sufficient, because the interpretation basically explains what it was supposed to represent. But the fact that it's in there, and it's in there in excruciating detail, it just made me think of that. Like, oh, maybe that's, that's what's what we're maybe it's a, it's a helpful way of remembering the stages, remembering the timeline, something that's kind of tedious like dates or, or times or, or how many kingdoms could be very easily brought to memory by the, 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 images, the images that are represented are in the uh-huh. visions. Uh-huh. That's good. Did, did you notice anything about the fourth base that was different than the mm-hmm. other three? Yeah. I was. I noticed that there, it wasn't an animal. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Which to me indicated there's something extra special, unique about this last one that's different from all the others, because it wasn't described in the same terms. So he he couldn't describe it in the same terms of an of an animal like the others mm-hmm. were. Which particularly stands out because if you listen to some of the other well. Even in this dream, and also some of the other visions that he has, he has no problem describing animals that are weird. That's right. Four-headed leopards, I haven't seen very many of those, but, I mean, he didn't have any problem pick, describing that's what it looked like. 
So clearly this creature was so weird he couldn't say it looked like an alligator with ten horns or whatever. I mean he he literally couldn't think of anything to compare it to. Right. Which uh is really weird. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I don't know if you were gonna talk about significance of that. Um like why why that seems to be important. I don't know. I was just talking with Juliana earlier. Well, I'll get it later, because we'll talk about the definition of the animals later, uh, the creatures later. Okay. okay. All right. I had uh, the one thing that I saw was that it had a mouth speaking great things. Mm-hmm. And I, I realize I'm tainted, right? You know, I've, I've, I've been through all the passages already. Um, but to me, looking through all of it now, that's significant. And I, I would just encourage all of us to just make a note that this last odd beast has a mouth speaking great things. And it was coupled, that, that statement about, about the, uh, uh, that horn was coupled with the fact that it possessed eyes like the eyes of a man. Another right. odd detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without jumping forward, even before I got into the next part we're about to cover, it still made me think. Okay, this is definitely somebody. This is definitely a beast that is special or extraordinary. And then with the the eyes and the, the mouth speaking extraordinary things or great things or whatever, it it immediately made me think of Isaiah. This is a representative, a beast that's representative of the Antichrist speaking these things and luring mm-hmm. or Hasatan being this great beast that is very terrifying. I can only imagine if there was a depiction of Hasatan, it would be something terrifying, but also speaking great things, trying to lure and deceive mm-hmm. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. not having anything, not read the rest of it. That's what I was kind of picturing was the representation there. Mm-hmm. It's good. Anything else on this section? One other thing I was going to mention, Alex. Well, just again, um, the mention of like a man versus like an animal. Uh, men, of course, made in the image of God. Is that a literal thing? Or in my opinion, made in the image of God means you have the attributes. You're able to discern, to create, destroy, pass judgment, um, implement laws, and consider justice from non-justice or guilt versus innocence so the level of this animal far surpasses the primitive concept of what just general animals such as a lion and a bear and a, mm-hmm. it, it has a consciousness of its own that sets it apart so much more from the other previous ones mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned a consciousness um, when I read verse 7 is the latter half. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. I think of a petulant child who's having a temper tantrum. I don't have many grandkids that do that yet, but that time is coming. And that's the first thing that came to my mind was a temper tantrum. Uh-huh. So. This, this horn... Um, as, as opposed to some, to the other beasts that were described, take, takes action here. You know, it, the, the, the little horn that, that came up 
pulled out three of the other horns, right? And then it goes on to describe the fact that uh, that eyes like a man, and uh, and utter great boats. So, you know, keep that in mind too as we as we talk through that. You know, there wasn't a description in any of the other three beasts similar to that. Um, so let's. Uh, it was also interesting that um, I'm just looking at my. I, if you pull the passage up on your Chabad website, they also include the commentary from Rashi, and he notes that um, Leviticus Rabbah says that the fourth beast. Um, is equal to all of the other beasts. There's a tradition that he, that Daniel sees the first three in one night, his dreams, and the fourth beast in a separate night because it's equal to the first three. Mm -hmm. Combined. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. But to your point, it seems like it, it, it feels so weird that there's like almost a separate consciousness to the horn apart from the beast. Like, it's the beast, and he's doing things like stamping things out of his feet and crushing things with his teeth, but then there's, like, a part of him that's also <laughs> doing something else. Yeah. Like, that, that's very odd. The, uh -huh. the beast also has this, um, looking at it again, thinking about it, it, feel, it has this feeling of... Um, Independence uh, Day with the alien? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, coming out? Yeah. It, unnatural <laughs> is the word that I'm thinking of. And that, like, it, um, you know, it mentions that it has iron teeth. Well, that's not... Um, that I mean, in my mind, it's like you imagine, like you know, a robot or some sort of, you know, weird, uh, genetically engineered monster. You don't really, you know, that's not because there's no animals that have iron teeth. Like that's not a, um, it, but and it's such a so man-made, right? Because, uh -huh. um, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not normally found in creatures, right? So it's right. like it's, it does, it has this feeling that it's not a god-created being, like as it that. were. Uh -huh. It's different. In that respect, almost like it's, um, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Somehow the first three have a nobility to it. It's a God-given nobility to it that the last one does not. Um, yeah, to capitalize on that, it just occurred to me, you're right. And the reason the first three are easy to express versus the last one is, one is, as you mentioned, seems futuristic, which means there's a time gap there. And what he's seeing, perhaps, are images of things that have not yet been created, he doesn't know that he doesn't describe. know how to describe. Yeah, and he can only consider it as unnatural, man-made, hmm. and that obviously there must be a distinction, a time gap there's, there's, between there's these. A great yeah. mm -hmm. That's great cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the time Which gap. Good. Not being able well, to explain what he's, he's never seen anything like mm -hmm. this, and seen iron teeth that devour. Horns back up and pull up. Yeah, eyes watch. like a man. Could he be seeing a, a person like with a string or a helicopter? I don't know. Because yeah. it looks like there's a man there, he but it's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's move on to, um, uh, to the next part of the vision. And uh, somebody read for us verses 9 through 14. Here we go. That's what I said before. As I looked, thrones were placed. And the ancients, Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the, book, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to, the, to be burned with fire. And as the rest of the beasts 
there were their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Good. Thank you. So, <laughs> so we just transitioned to where? A scene in Days of Judgment. judgment. Location. Heaven. 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 Right. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, uh, we've got the Ancient of Days taking his place um, on, the, on the throne. It doesn't fit the cuddly pictures in my Sunday school books. Flannel graph really busted up. There's a lot this. of fire in this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's always assumed that the fire is down below, not there. Right. right. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that there were wheels on the throne. Wheels? Yeah. I couldn't right. picture that. Like, what is this? travels around? I, I don't know. But what does it travel around on? Because all it is is it's thrown with fiery flames. So there are yeah. wheels. Well, it sounds very much like Ezekiel's vision. I think a propeller pushing it up because when it moves fast, it looks like a wheel and it creates well, loft. And if you read if you Ezekiel's vision, it does kind of have that feel to it, almost like a like some sort of hover hovercraft type concept because you see the. Well, when you read Ezekiel, it's that way for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, the, that chariot comes together and then he sees. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in 10, we have the court sitting and books being opened, and then what happens? Hmm. Going to the lake of fire or whatever that is. Well, River of fire? Well, okay. Yeah, the, in, in 11. The beast is destroyed. destroyed. The, the horn starts mouthing off again. Yeah, the horn is mouthing <laughs> off again. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a final yeah, right. yeah. yeah, I I thought it was interesting that we had two things. The beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. That sounds like three different things to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I mean, if, if I take this as a man, just for sake of argument, so a man is killed, his body is destroyed, but then it's given over to be burned with fire? Well, what happened to it in that second step? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Um, but clearly, um, there was some type of, perhaps, insurrection put down. Because 11 and 12 make it clear who's in charge. Right. Right. That uh, the horn who was mouthing off, mouthed off a little bit too long. Boom. Yeah. And the Ancient of Day said... I've had enough here. And the horn met its demise. Could you imagine the rest of the beasts? Well, the rest of the they beasts were are in the next verse. <laughs> at that moment, they weren't killed and destroyed and everything else in that moment. But their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. That time between must have been quite in agonizing. I, you know, it's funny. I don't think I'd ever noticed this verse before. But this time, reading it again, I'm reading verse 12, and it's like, oh wait, the other beasts are still around? 
like that I always assume like the other beasts get destroyed by the fourth beast or they just kind of fade from the scene you know, almost like a movie um, but they, they get referenced again and the only thing I could think of um, is that uh, not to jump too far ahead I suppose but it reminds me so much of the millennial reign because if you look in the, in Revelation there's the story there's the battle the first battle between Messiah and the beast or the false prophet and the and, and then there's the um, then there's the final battle at the very very end of the book where God comes in and wipes out all the enemies again um, and in between there there's this like period of peace and that was exactly what came to mind reading verse 12 it's like oh there's this in between period from when the beast is judged to when everything or at least the 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 son of man is given kingdom a permanent kingdom there's surely a, surely a gap but it's a gap in which the other beasts are still around. I thought was very but interesting. Their powers are stripped, so it's right. like, like you say, things are calm. Yeah, it's They're okay a, right now. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time reference because I cannot think of another one that's not time, times plural, yeah. and a half time, right? Or season, seasons, mm -hmm. and half a season. That doesn't exist, but similar kind of thing. Um, this is for a season, which is a zmano. It's you know, a time thing. And a time. Yeah, there's which, a different reference there. Yeah, it's interesting. Mine says for an appointed period of time. Which is probably what zmano implies. Because uh, um, the Hebrew there is ad zaman ve'aden. So it's two different time references. Zman in modern Hebrew is used as just like the time. What is the time? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure exactly what aden means, but I think odd. I feel like well, I feel like you can use those with um, another time reference being like eternity or a long time or something. Oh, it just feels very much like it's time. Okay. Um, you've got it in uh, Daniel seven twenty five. Time times and half a time is the same word for time. Um, the odd or aden. Yeah. Um, Daniel 2, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Um, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's time. It's interesting that there's two different time references. Yeah. Almost right. like they're trying to make a point that it's either a very specific time, a type of time, or that there's two different stretches of time. It's kind of confusing. Uh-huh. Any other comments? What uh -huh. happens next? Oh, after the horn and the beast? Mm -hmm. Well, the Son of Man, well, someone in, eh, like a Son of Man, and he was given a kingdom, dominion, and glory, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which is immune to everything. Yeah. Any thoughts on who this might be? You sure? Yeah, the uh, never heard a description anywhere anybody else at this time. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, Rashi says that is the King Messiah. The Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That is King Perfect. Messiah. Amen. Yeah. So it's, it's very short. It's right. cool that that um, <laughs> you know the, the the transition between uh, eight and nine was you know I I uh, I kept looking and then you know thrones were set up and this thing happened in the uh, in the throne room. And then from 12 to 13, we have the same kind of a, mm -hmm. of a transition. Um, so 
we have kind of a, a timing element here. If we think of these things happening sequentially, we've, we've got uh, an indication that at some point in time, this Malby horn meets his destruction. And then following that, one like a son of man is appointed to a kingdom. So I don't know that I've got a consecutive sequence there, but we generally have a sequence. A sequence right? I would, if I understood what you just said, I would argue that the, the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged. So, you know, the horn might have gotten nuked, but we've got some, whatever season and time is, those beasts are put on hold for this to happen, mm -hmm. you know, which, yep. you know, may, may play into something we've heard uh, in, our, in our childhood or in our Bible study reading, but... Um, it's something we may be coming back to at some point in exactly. the next several weeks. Exactly. This is... This is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Uh, is there anybody else? Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, um, this was a big, uh, a big thing. Right before the master came on the scene, um, zero of the common era, mm -hmm. or um, four thousand. Years from creation, um, this was big. Trying to figure out, it appears it appears that the Holy One, blessed is He, is is handing over His throne to a successor. And how could that be? You know, kind of. Um, that's amazing. Hmm. But if I never thought about it that way. Yeah. If if. I mean, you got an old gray-haired guy, uh, trying to paraphrase it colloquially, an old gray-haired guy who's been in charge is now passing on to another one. And, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion. As if, we don't know how long this other guy's been in charge, but it must be a long time because he's old and gray, and now this guy's going to have an everlasting dominion. You know, it's it seems to be at least... The sages said back in that day, it appears to be a passing of the baton. How is this possible? And as, uh, I'm sure Joshua's read, um, the sages are, are split. Half of them don't, a part of them don't know what to say about this. And the other part is, it's King Messiah. Fulfillment of prophecy. It's King Messiah. Ruling I would say it's not a time of Shem, or God, is old or tired or passing a baton. It's a, I warned you. I told you what would happen. Okay. Here's my fulfillment of this prophecy. This is how, This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. But given King Messiah's rulership in this passage, you can understand now why Yeshua's most popular Known the game is Son of Man. This is Son of Man and over coming. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that the reference he gives to Caiaphas that gets him into the most trouble is this. He calls him, he actually references this passage. When you see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, right? Um, 
and that is considered blasphemy and whatever else. So um, it's understandable why it's, it's ironic that um, modern um, uh, skeptics have tried to argue that well, Yeshua never claimed to be God, and you know, he call, you know, he doesn't he doesn't make any grandiose claims in his during his lifetime. So it's like you can kind of dismiss that as being a Christian creation and. He jumps um, right into the Daniel Son lines. of Man passage is probably the most, as you're referencing, one of the most complicated passages in Scripture, which seems completely apt because Yeshua is easily the most complicated character in all of Scripture. Is he God? Sure. Is he man? Yes. Is he taking over for God? How does that work? If then, he's God, yeah, it doesn't. You know. And the reference is also time with Ezekiel, one like the Son of Man, which right. shows up there as well, yeah, that's where which I'm is in right. reference yeah. to Hashem, which is even weirder. So it's. Yeah. But the Jewish concept is the Messiah can't be divine. He's a man. Well, today's concept is that he cannot be divine. It hasn't always been divine. Really? I think if you look at, from what I've heard, some of the first century writings... Or um, earlier. They don't necessarily say he's divine, but the line is kind of blurry. Yeah, and this, is, this passage is what got it all blurry. Is they're like, well... If we all agree this is Messiah, if this is King Messiah, what is going on here? Well, that in Ezekiel, because it basically says the image of a man, and then it says is Adonai himself. And yet Adonai can't have an image. Right. So this is like a taboo part. I was a, you know, any form of um, rabbi, I would prevent any of my time to read that. Don't ever read that. Don't ever read that. I was wondering, so my, I would use uh, ESV, um, and it did not capitalize son of man. I was wondering if anybody else, if that was normal, or if anybody else's version yeah. does capitalize that. No, ESV doesn't capitalize him, any of the pronouns, or anything like that. Is that right? From, from what I can tell. Because yeah. Hebrew doesn't. Yeah. Like, even, yeah, even when it... Like in later in the Gospels and stuff like that, yeah. when it's talking about Jesus, like it doesn't capitalize really? okay. the, the pronouns like yeah. him. It's, it's one of the cooler ways they try not to put in their bias. They did a, they did a, a better job than you, than most would think <laughs> in that regard. They will capitalize names. Got like, it. Like ancient of days capitalized, but then when him references ancient of days, it doesn't capitalize. The location or time. Definite order. Exactly. The, the ancient of days. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, I noticed that too. There's other Bibles that do capitalize, but yeah, I, it threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, son of man. So is it a different son of man? Like, is this not Mashiach? Kind of had me question there well, for a second it, when I was reading. I mean, there's there's a couple of prophets that are are, are referred to. Son of man, Ezekiel, for example, write this. Son of man, do this. I mean, the whole dry bones thing is, you know, he's big time, son of man. He's calling the prophet son of man. So. Although I think this is technically a different way of saying that. I think that's Benadam, and I think this one is Barinosh, which is a completely different way of saying it. Hmm. So, in fact, bar is even a weird word to use there because that's not Aramaic, even a Hebrew yeah. word. It's the Aramaic yeah, word. Yeah, we're, we're trashed with the... Uh, but that reference, oddly enough, if bar is correctly translated as son, which there may be some contradiction there, the Chabad don't translate it as son in, in their English version. Um, what would make that interesting is the Aramaic word for son, if it's being used there, also reappears in Psalm 2 
because one of the things that's particularly controversial about the end of Psalm 2 is the rabbis say it's not talking about kiss the sun because the word for sun there, it's, it's anachronistic to say that Aramaic was being used when it should be Hebrew. So it's a different word. But you can read it with Aramaic and it's talking about a sun in, um, in Psalm 2, which is all about, very similar to this, it's all about this person that God has begotten that's being given a kingdom and he's ruling over all the nations. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of weird and ironic that again, this sort of out of place Aramaic word appears in this particular passage. Yeah. Pretty cool. This may be obvious to everybody, or I may be completely wrong, but it's kind of clicked with me that um, you said that Yeshua will return as he came or as he went. And here, with the clouds of heaven, there mm -hmm. came a son of man. Yeah, that visual you, just. When you read the back in Acts, it's, it's I mean, the beginning of Acts, um, it, it's, it's almost like you're coming to the right place. Yeah. yeah. Watching it reverse. Let's uh, right. let's keep going. The the, uh, the next section we've got was uh, seven fifteen through eighteen. Who's who'd like to uh, catch up, Micah? As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four in number, and four kings, will arise from, arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will, will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, for, for all ages to come. Thank you, Micah. So a, a couple of thoughts I had on, on this section. You know, first of all, is Daniel must have had the gift for understatement in 15. <laughs> I was distressed and my mind was alarmed. I like the Chabad translation there better. It says, Daniel, I, Daniel, became troubled within its sheath, saying that my spirit became terrified my body from this dream. And then it says, and the visions of my mind terrified me. It's like a little more... Uh, a little more expressive. A little more expressive, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and and then sixteen, it's just it's like he's walking up to somebody saying, um, "Excuse, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> Could you mind? What the heck is uh, going on? Explaining what happens." And then this, you know, the the uh, uh, the one who was standing by, it's almost like I wouldn't say dismissive, but it's like it takes him two verses to explain everything we just read, you know, in the prior, uh, you know, fourteen. Oh yeah, there's four kings are going to rise from the earth. Saints of the highest one are going to um, receive the kingdom, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> what else you need? Forever, to forever, <laughs> and ever. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I was listening to a podcast recently. It's the guy asked a person a question. So, so do you do you agree with this position? And the guy just goes, "Yes." It's like, okay, can we expand on that? I love the simplicity. I really do. The four kings, it's, it's man's doing. And all this stuff is going on. But that really doesn't matter. Because the saints of the Most High to receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. So that's all nasty and bad and holy cow, God, what's going to. But in the end, it's just history, because it doesn't matter. 
Because when it's all said and done, the saints of the Most High will inherit the kingdom. So everybody's, everybody's clamoring for this kingdom. But it's real simple. That was then, this is now, and we're done. It's just so simple. Yeah, it really is. That's, I, think, I think that's the total <coughs> end times description is right there in that one verse. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be bad. And then, the end, there it is. Yeah. Done. Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from there, uh, you know, that, 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 that short explanation by the one standing there wasn't quite good enough <laughs> for, for Daniel because he's still, he's still a, a little bit perplexed and wants, wants to know a little bit more. Um, so uh, 19 through 22. I got it. Yeah. You got it? Go ahead. God bless you. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, <coughs> the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Is that it? 22? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting here that in, that in 19 he, stopped, he started out by saying, I desired to know the exact meaning. I, I wanted to know more about this. And he describes what he wanted, you know, what he was had seen, kind of repetitive from what he had described earlier. This is what I wanted to know about, what I wanted to know more about. But he didn't ask anybody. He just kept looking. Like he's watching a movie. Yeah, and the the more full, the fuller depiction or picture mm. of what happened came to him. So he didn't have to ask this time. For an explanation, it was supplied. Uh, it was supplied to him. So, we've now come to the point of. Um, I think everybody pretty much knew this already. But if we had any question about it, the one that's being described here is whom the little horn, the mouthy little horn. I would, I would call him what I have heard termed as the anti-Torah man. The anti-Messiah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Right. Right. This is the one who um, explicitly there in verse 21 mm -hmm. was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Mm -hmm. But thank goodness that verse 22 is tacked on to the end with big until somebody had enough and put an end to it. And, and I hope you're making some good notes and keeping uh, either uh, mentally or on paper because this theme 
is what we're going to see built on in later passages Excellent. that we uh, that we look at. We're going to see the same thing come out again. Um, so uh, let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up the rest of the chapter twenty-three through twenty-eight. Okay, Josiah. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. As for, as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall rise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand four time, times and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey them. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, David, I'm sorry, Daniel, my, thought, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. I love that passage. <laughs> it's just, it's so descriptive. Um, the uh, in uh, in in twenty three we transition again from uh, Daniel having a vision to having the explanation provided to him by the one who is standing there, right? So uh, as the the earlier explanation was just a really short little capsule, he's going to rise up. He's going to be put to an end, and the saints are going to rule. Daniel said, I, I was still perplexed about this horn situation, and I saw some more stuff. And so the, the person that had given him the explanation decided to give him a little more. And this time, we get several verses to unpack more of what he had just been given in the little snippet um, a little earlier. So we've got, uh, uh, we've got this fourth kingdom on the earth future event uh, uh, because we're in verse 23 you'll see the, the use of the word will obviously fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms uh, obviously those kingdoms have preceded this fourth uh, and this one will devour the whole earth tread it down and crush it it's going to be an oppressive kingdom, obviously. Mm. Mm. Uh, ten kings are going to arise, so there's going to be some type of a power base of ten nations, or ten kings that will, uh, that will come from that, uh, that fourth overall kingdom. Another will rise after them. He's going to be different from the previous ones, and he's going to subdue three others. So it sounds like there was a some type of a coalition, and this little horn rose up and they decided to make an example 
or to, to exercise his authority in some way over three members of this coalition. And then we get back into a, a description about uh, uh, wearing down the saints of the highest one. Intend to make alteration in times and in law. So he doesn't like somebody's law. He wants to change it to his own law, which must be obviously different than the law that the saints were abiding by. And they, the saints of the highest one, will be given into his hand for this reference to a time, times, and half a time. Can we put that into some type of a, a measurement? And I'm not, I don't mean a measurement necessarily at this point, a measurement of time, but we've got a time, singular, times, plural, plural so two times, and half a time. So that comes up to what number of times? Yeah. Three and a half, it would seem. Three and a half, it would seem. Three and a half of whatever this time happens to be. We'll, again, keep that in mind because we'll be seeing that, you know, again, uh, again. And this later. time, the, the time reference, all the words, the same word each time. It's the same word that was used last time. Right. But the other one had a couple of references, and this one is, is the same one each time. But the only the word it was that was translated as time before it is modern this time. I, I use a different word for season as we use it. Yeah. Yeah. Then. No, it's the other one. This is modern. This one is. I'm looking at this one. So like I said, aden. Oh, this. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, the yeah, word that was time before yeah. is the same as this one. Um, this is the first time I've read this. I I think as uh, as a Torah keeper and. Much of our, much of our faith now is, is is getting together with family and celebrating special times, and I'm just now learning all of these times. And uh, Alan and I were, were talking about how here in 5779 we. We, we really want to try as the as the year's beginning to, to to take hold of some of the traditions for each time throughout the year that comes up and well what what's traditionally done at, at Hanukkah the next thing that's coming up or or, or how is is this fast traditionally handled and, and so on um, it, it just seems that there's a at least in this faith, in, the, in this practice. Time, new month, the end of the six days is now the Sabbath day, is every seventh day. And, you know, all of that. There seems to be a, a, an amazingly greater focus on time than you and I ever grew up with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, there were three pretty much big holidays in the in in the Christian church, and and that was it. 
you know, there were, there were not a whole lot more to it. And, and, you know, most would, you know, bring it down to just Christmas and Easter. Right? Um, but now we're, we're consumed with commands to mark the time. Make, make note it's a new month. Blow the shofar. Look at the moon. Sanctify the month. You know, that, that kind of thing. Oh, but it is the six days. We counted six days. Yeah, right. Now, now rest on this one. Remember the time that I took to create the earth. I mean, we're going to count seven sevens. Seven sevens. And, and now we're going to have Shamuel. Yeah, yeah, you know, Pentecost. It, it's just, it, it's, it's all, it's a lot about time and the laws that go with what he would have us to do. To meet with him and and I, and I think, not to belabor it, but that's probably the whole reason for the marking of the time, is that we would recognize these time markers as opportunities to meet with the one who desires to have relationship with us. So if you really want to just blow it out of the water and, and destroy the impact or the influence that the Holy One, blessed is He, has on us. Now, in this walk, I would say, remove the times and remove the laws. Right. And, and really, I mean, where's the, where's the structure of your faith now? Mm -hmm. what, what's, what is the hour of prayer that the apostles went up to the, to the temple right. for? What, when do we sacrifice? That kind of thing. Yeah. The, it's all gone. The, the reference in 25... You know, as we uh, as we studied this before, as we grew up in the church, my recollection is that we were always taught that this man of lawlessness is going to try to change the calendar. He's going to in introduce his own calendar. Right. Month of Morba. Right. Yeah. But when you when you read it with a Torah sensitivity to it, and you see these two things paired together, yeah. alterations in times which God has appointed and alterations in law, which God has also appointed, really ties back to the whole man of lawlessness yeah, concept. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think, you know, from seeing this afresh, I don't think it's a change in the calendar. I think it's instituting a different worship methodology. Mm. Um, and I think we were given a clue in the very first chapter of Genesis, that time was an incredibly important thing. Amen. Because we've you got set these in place for times and epochs. Right. And so forth. Exactly. Exactly. We're past our one hour mark, and we didn't even make it halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Do we want to do Daniel chapter 9 next week? I, I, Instead of moving to lesson 2? Yeah. I, I, okay. I think that's, uh, it was a guarantee when we get to the last couple of chapters as we get into the apostolic writings. So, yeah, I'd, I'd rather we sit and chat and, and, and move methodically mm -hmm. than blister through it because the whole look we're doing here is more of an overview based on snippets of prophets as we're looking at and seeing a, a, a greater picture and trying to put together just a sequence. Especially yeah, if we're going to figure out this timeline in uh, Daniel 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spend more time on that. Yeah, spend more time on that. The, uh, when, when we get into the apostolic scriptures and we get to um, 
to read what Yeshua had to say um, and what, uh, what Shaul had to say and the vision that uh, Kepha saw uh, at, at the very end of the book. Um, those are all going to be things that are building blocks off of the base yeah. that we're creating here uh, in these initial lessons. Yeah. To your point, you've, you've, you've made it clear that we should, you know, take note of that phrase or kind of make note and, and remember this. Um, I think that's the theme we're going to see in every lesson is that there's, there's, a, there's a repetition mm -hmm. of, of what we're seeing here and um, you know, if, if, we, if we discuss it like we're doing, I think we're going to see those. And the sequencing should, should kind of fall out nicely. Right. Uh -huh. we'll and things will coalesce. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Praise God. Any other comments? Uh, I didn't have a chance to say this earlier, but I noticed, well, I remembered that the time times and half a time mm -hmm. that reminded me that reminded me of the three years of chaos i believe right before the 1000 year reign in near the end of revelation i couldn't exactly find it though well it's good a good connection to make 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. and, huh? 19 or 20. <coughs> and we'll be getting to those you know, we'll begin those later in the study, but you're 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 starting to make connections from things that you've heard and been taught yeah. previously, right. and you're seeing how those connect to what we've read tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I assume we're not supposed to do the jump in and read ahead part, or are we? You can read ahead all you want. You can memorize it if you want. To. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think there's I think there's value, Joshua, if if we take it slow. Because it was revealed slowly. And if, if we try and put our, ourself in place of some of these prophets, but Daniel, gee whiz, like Joshua said, I mean, this has never happened before. So I know I know what these guys look like, but I've never seen anything like that. You know, um, if we take it slow, I think the value in this course is going to be, how much can you remember from the biggest stuff we read. Where did you see this before? Exactly. To, uh, well, to exactly. quote a famous uh, game that uh, Rabbi Foreman likes to play. Yeah, yeah. where have we seen, seen this before? before? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that, that was gonna be my last comment, was the very last verse, in the last part of the verse, in chapter seven here, that I was remembering Jacob said something very similar after Joseph tells his dream. I don't know what the significance of that is, but it, that it's an, it's a very similar phraseology where it's like and the brothers were jealous, but his father kept the matter in mind. Well, Mary, so, so did Mary. Yeah. That's right. That's the first oh, no. thing I thought. Oh, oh, Mary yeah. cherished all these things. Yeah. And they said this about him. She cherished all that. Yeah, yeah. I th think any part of it is, um, if I were Daniel. I don't think I would tell anyone about this dream. <laughs> <laughs> what one, have you been smoking, Danny? <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah. yeah. No one will listen to you. <laughs> Closing thoughts. Um, I have this to say. When it comes to prophecy, the study of prophecy, and the interpretation of prophecy, I've come to only two concrete conclusions. One is 
it's not linear but cyclic. And two is it's not superficial but layered. And what I mean by that is there's many events in the past and in the present and even in the future that all can be defined by these prophetic visions and almost accurately be representative of them. That doesn't mean they're entirely, that's what it's representing. Sure. A near line and a near but line far. There's always a pattern. Well, that's pa like, yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> a pattern to God's way of doing it and Satan even mm -hmm. having a pattern of his own, always trying to mm -hmm. mimic. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. To that point, like this, I mean, over and over again, I'm looking at this Rashi commentary, and the sages are saying the the, the horn is Titus, oh. the Roman the Roman Caesar Titus, cool. and glad they nailed it. They nailed that one. <laughs> but it's funny because it's like, but like it doesn't quite. I mean, it does kind of fit, but it doesn't quite fit. And I guess that's to your point is it's yeah. like it certainly looks like it could be, and then you kind of the other funny one was they were talking about the uh, the um, some of the time references, and they said this this. That's up to the 1,335 days, which is up later in Daniel. And that's 1,335 years. And uh, and so if you're Rashi, and you're over here on the timeline, over here, yeah, in the corner. Yeah. And you're coming up on the year uh, 1,400 and something, it's like, this is going to be it. That's the it. end is coming. <laughs> Boom. You're on Boom. this corner of the wall, and we're at 2,000. It's like 1,400 and something was not the year. That was not the year, right? Um, let's remember that this whole study is not designed to make you a prophecy nut. I have all the answers on the prophecy. And what the, uh, the was it the six thunders thundered or something like that in Revelation? We're not going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. All we're going to talk about is sequencing mm -hmm. so that we can understand what might be coming. Cool. Um, so you get next week. You get I to finish up. That's great, yes, man. Sir. I appreciate that. So mm -hmm. what's uh, um, what's the homework for next week then? The second half Review of your, your homework. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do Daniel nine again. Um, time, time. You done with that? Okay. Just check. Time. <coughs> pardon me. Time, times, and half a time is an odd phrase, um, but it appears a lot, and I think we're going to see it at least one more time now. Uh, in Daniel, and we're going to see it several more times as we study. Uh, but I want to challenge you this week, since you've potentially already done your, your Daniel 9 homework, and uh, feel free to move ahead. You know, you know go, go on to your next lesson. You know, So we want to come together for the discussion, because I think there's value in that. But um, I want to challenge you. I've, uh, I've found at least one, if not two, references in our own language and in our own conversation where times as in time times and half a time there's the time yeah thank you siri moron um, <laughs> actually he responds to that when i say hey siri moron and he he actually wakes up um i found at least one or two where that reference of times actually means two times. So I'm going to challenge you to come up with some euphemisms or phrases that are used in our own culture where times is clearly two. Because the argument I've heard, time, times, and half a time, always says three and a half. Time is one, 
Half is obviously half, but times 96. So it's 97 and a half. So think about that. See what you can come up with. Perfect. Father, we're uh, grateful for the opportunity to be together and for uh, the time that uh, each of these men has put into studying your word uh, this, uh, this past week. We pray that you would uh, see us safely here a week from now. To, uh, to come back together and, uh, and talk some more about your word mm-hmm. and yeah, your times. Mm-hmm. Bless our families, Father. And we pray all these things in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott. Mm-hmm.